You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Good good evening, everyone. David Hall. Hello, hello. Tony Groves. What's up, fellas? Greg Hectus. Hey, everybody. And special guest, Evan Pasoko. Happy to to be here on time for once. (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys, as usual. You made the entry, all right, or the intro. All right, well, let's jump right into the Coke race. So we're glad to have you. I mean, I, I think we started off the week going, wait, there's another race? I, it really threw me off because I'm so used to the two-week rhythm, and now we're in this one-week rhythm, and, uh, yeah, I was definitely thrown off a bit. Yeah, we're feeling it because, you know, there's a lot less time behind the scenes to go over the week before, but I'm sure uh, the people feeling it are the most of the drivers, right? Because we go from having two weeks of prep for every race to now – just a single week of prep uh, for playoff racing. So uh, it's intense. It's nonstop. I'm not going to complain about it, but uh, it is definitely kind of high pressure, high stakes uh, as you know, we're going to be done before we know it uh, as I kind of hate to see the end of the year fly by. But uh, if you're looking for stuff to watch, uh, it's good for you because yeah, back to back to back to back these last four weeks. Yeah, and it's creeping up, that's for sure. Uh, but nonetheless, iRacing did get out a hype video, uh, another good one, showing the faces of the eight guys uh, going for the four spots and whatnot. Uh, pretty good video, get it, get us kind of hyped up. Yeah, trying to use some of that, uh, you know, material we got earlier in the year. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm thinking as we go to Texas, it's probably going to be roughly the same thing. And then I know that, um, we're working on a lot of special stuff for, for Homestead, obviously, as well. Some of that stuff's going to be for the uh, the live broadcast, obviously, and then uh, a little bit of it's going to be for the, the TV cut as well. So uh, a lot of cool stuff coming up still. All right, well, let's jump right into the race. Uh, it was Ottinger, uh, Leahy on the front row for the start, and it was clean and green uh, through the first part of this race. Uh, and then it was green flag stops. It was uh, Mike Conti who strikes first. Uh, and he, he's out ahead of Nick Ottinger, uh, and then Keegan Lee, Lee, he still hadn't pitted at, at, in that first cycle. Yeah, we weren't really sure. I mean, you know, first off, this is like a tale of two Kansas races, right? The first three quarters and, and then the end. But, you know, we thought that the, the undercut for Conti was going to work because he comes out because it was Leahy, Ottinger, and Conti all bumper to bumper for second and third. And they really were the three fastest cars in the field. And, so Conti goes for the undercut. He comes up ahead of Nick, uh, but it was it was somewhat short-lived. I think Ottinger got him back at about six or seven laps or so after the pit cycle. But we thought Leahy was was misstepping here. And and when I say we, I mean Steve thought so as well. So at least I can't beat myself up too much for, for thinking the call was wrong because, uh, you know, Steve's got some crew chief experience and he wasn't too sure about it either. But it did pay out for Keegan. He pitted, and in that pit cycle, he was – 10 seconds back a half a dozen spots behind those two and we're thinking man he's going to struggle through traffic he didn't 
uh, so he could eventually circle himself back up through. But, uh, you know, just a little bit. Of, I mean, that's the race we thought it was going to be. You know, at that point, when, when Leahy went back to the lead and Wadottinger had gotten back ahead of Conti, our, our first, second, and third were back to where they were before the pit stops. And at that point, we're thinking, all right, this race isn't going to have a yellow. Uh, it's going to come down to strategy on the second stop. And, you know, that's that's kind of the race that we thought we were in for. Yeah, and it was exciting watching Leahy with the newer tires uh, going around those guys. Had a great re- replay on NASCAR Twitter where they were five wide as he went clear to the bottom. And this track really allows that if, with the newer tires. You can just get right down on the apron, just go around everybody. Yeah, five, six wide at times, especially as you mentioned there in, in the pit cycle uh, where you had guys on fresh tires. And as we would see later in the race as well, unsuccessfully, uh, I might add, uh, you know, drivers on restarts trying to trying to get that width. That it was almost like they thought we were at Pocono with how wide they were getting. Yeah, through this cy- uh, cycle, it was fun to watch the battle for a second, though. Uh, Nick Ottinger, uh, who's looking to advance into the title race, of course. And then Chris Sherburn was right there. But he's fighting for something else. He's fighting for the top 20 just to stay in the series. And then Mike Conti also trying to get to the final four. And that was a big run for Chris, obviously, up until that point, because he had a real good opportunity, I think, to make himself comfortable headed into the, uh, you know, the last two weeks of the year. Um obviously now he's in a position where it's it's not kind of razor thin, but he's not close to a mathematical lock. He could mathematically lock top 20 uh, after Texas next Tuesday, but it was impressive for him. And, and that's why I thought, you know, and we discussed this, if, if, you know, for those listening in that watch the broadcast as well for Conti is, you know, Leahy doesn't need to win that race in the moment, right? Leahy doesn't need to win to advance because he's going to be good on points. Ottinger likely doesn't need to because he's going to be awfully close on points. There can only be one driver in on points, um, you know, minimum uh, if we have three different race winners, but I'm thinking those guys are fine. I thought Conti had to make a big swing for the strategy because of course he needed that must win basically because of the um, awful way that the Roval ended for him. So that's why I thought we were going to see Conti kind of go crazy on the, uh, the second cycle of pit stops, but that didn't really happen. That wasn't in the cards. Yeah. And it was uh, super tight for that top 20 battle to stay in the top 20. Of course, we had the live points as they run. And uh, there were a bunch of them right there at the 20 mark, uh, you know, going up and down below it and above it. So that was interesting. Uh, the running order at lap 71 was Leahy, Ottinger, Conti, Sherburn, Busa, Keister, Mullis, Guest, Zelensky, Davies, Lowe, Alfala. Um, just past halfway, though, Keegan Leahy still in control. And he was pulling, right? So, of course, the benefit to pitting later is you give up time right after the first pit cycle, but you'll be better at the end. Our concern was, you know, w- would that tire benefit even be enough to get Leahy back to the lead? It was then and then some more. So what we thought was kind of an iffy call that ended up being a great call, you know, at the time, because I mentioned that on the long run, Leahy wasn't the best car in the first run of the race. So by having eight or so fresher lap tires, I don't remember exactly what the interval was, but that gave him a little bit more on the long run, long run, when he was, you know, lacking that first time through. So he actually went from being, you know, bumper to bumper to bumper for those top three to pulling towards the end of that second run. And at that point, then you're kind of thinking, all right, well, now it's Keegan's race to lose. Whereas before, I think it, it could have gone to any of those three guys because they all looked pretty even. But Leahy struggled on the long run. And by staying out, actually, it, it did stand to benefit him at that point. 
Yeah, and the trucks tracks rubbered in a bit, and that might have helped him as well. Uh, Forty three to go. Uh, stops start again. It's Leahy Conti. Uh, then Ottinger stays out. The stops continue. Actually, Brandon Cantell had a moment uh, where he missed pit road, but it stayed green. Um, and then you guys did the iRacing full throttle with about 30 to go, and that's always fun. Yeah, uh, you guys will not believe how much time we went into coming up with full throttle. Uh, but I know that everybody likes doing that because that's one of the parts where we get, um, you know, everybody involved in the broadcast. Like all the different cameras are being cut to back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, the one thing that we don't have as much on the sim broadcast is kind of that ambient sound. Um, you know, the way that these races get called is kind of more so radio style. Um, and that's because not that you don't hear the cars under us, but it's just not the same as you get kind of natural ambient sound of the cars and the crowd and that you just don't have that in the sim world. So that's kind of our opportunity to to get some of that immersion in and uh, I guess gets iRacing's money worth uh, for all the time that they put in to get that camera shake because uh, they're putting our little full throttle cameras in the track. So those things are, are shaking. So that's a fun way to utilize one of the newer features. Yeah, and I think it draws in the NASCAR fans uh you know they're used to seeing that and and it's exciting to watch for sure um after that you know it, it was just kind of crazy um we noticed that 22 to go ryan luza was making some gain through some of the pit cycles um and, and getting closer to the front anyway but at 15 to go we noticed ottinger was actually starting to hunt down Leahy, and, and then we were thinking oh boy we got a race yeah, at like 20 to go, I didn't think it was going to happen. And then, you know, we started following this battle and it gets down to, you know, eight tenths and then down to, you know, closer and closer. And and I think if that race goes green, I think Nick Ottinger wins the race. Um, you know, we mentioned Leahy wasn't good on the very long run. I think that uh, Nick knew that. And we kind of saw that in the first run as well, where he had fallen off initially. And then kind of closed back in to that point where they were all kind of stacked up before the first cycle of pit stop. So I think he did the same thing. He knew Leahy wasn't great long run. He saved a little bit and closed him in. And I think at that point, it looked like it was going to be Nick Ottinger's race if it had stayed green. I know Keegan w wasn't going to make it easy, but uh, I think it would have been a little bit more difficult to pull the the Joey Logano and, and hold him off because I think, I think Ottinger had that thing. Yep, and then Conti just floating in third. But the fun race to watch at this point was uh, 9th through 13th. We had Low, Alfala, Luza, Zelensky all lined up, running each other pretty hard uh, uh, for ninth place. Yeah, I thought if there was going to be trouble, it was going to come from there because that was really the only group of cars that hadn't kind of split apart. And, you know, you talk about guys like Luza who had to work really hard to, to get an okay spot. I mean... It has not been um, a playoffs of note for, for Ryan Luza, which, you know, he's disappointed in. And, you know, after he had those three in a row and we were talking about series history for tying the most wins consecutively and maybe an opportunity to break it, um, it just hasn't hasn't been spectacular, which is funny when you consider the fact that, uh, you know, I think he's uh, at least in a position now where those kind of quiet, non-flashy runs have him plus eight to the cut line. You know, if, if I didn't have the stats and I hadn't looked and you had told me, you know, to guess where Luz is, I would have guessed fifth or sixth. You know, he hasn't been flashy and we expect drivers to need to be great. And he's just, I think, taking advantage of some of the drivers having some problems, but just mainly stayed out of trouble, which uh, kind of came in the focus late in this one. 
Yeah, nine to go. McCollum spins but saves it, um, stays green, and then all of a sudden, our our battle for the lead, Ottinger, he he realizes I think he's short on fuel, and he's like saving fuel like crazy and backing up big time. Um, guess they didn't get it completely filled up when he did stop. So Conti moves into second, and then boom, huge uh, break for Ottinger. Caution when Cattell spins on the back after he has issues with Justin Bolton. Uh, everyone pits, but three stay out. Yeah, that was quite a roller coaster for Nick, right? Because we go from if this race stays green, he's going to win it, to they didn't pack it full of fuel. And it was well, well short of a fuel run. So they the gamble, right, was to save them half a second in the pit stop. And it could have cost them the race. So if we go green, I don't think he makes it to the end. He's probably, you know... Uh, getting an awful result, and he's probably a bubble driver below the cut line into the next week. So it looked like it was going to be great for him. He drops back, and then you're right, we get the yellow because two cars uh, back in 28th or so wreck, and uh, both had, uh, you know, Cattell claimed responsibility for that one, and and he apologized, um, obviously felt bad about how that went down. And then we had the three cars who stayed out, which, you know, it's kind of an eye racing trope, right? You're, I mean, there's always somebody on old tires who stays out and, and kind of stacks everybody up. And I thought that the best chance for one of those cars to win was for it to happen on that very first restart. When those guys with fresh tires, they were still a little bit cold. I think you got to get them on the first green white checkered attempt. Um, but we almost had to go through all our green white checkered attempts. Cause that's when that five, six wide that I had, you know, mentioned earlier, the Pocono front straightaway kind of stuff broke out at Kansas. Yeah, so up front for this uh, restart, it was Michael, Garigula, uh, Diaz, and then Tehan, and they were the three who stayed out. Then it was Leahy, Conti, Sherburn, Ottinger, Keister, Guest, Clampett. Two to go on the restart, and then a quick caution. It was Bob Bryant involved. It was three wide gone wrong around about 20th place. Uh, several cars involved. Corey Vincent seemed to be the cause. Now, one thing you guys were doing, Evan, is immediately getting uh, these guys on camera, on the radio, hey, what happened from your perspective in the wreck? And you could, and Steve joked that they're a lot polite or more polite or nicer than uh, the real guys were, but we could tell that some of them were pretty pissed off, right? Um, of course, the, the big thing that happens with, uh, you know, because that was our, technically our first radio I checker, but it wasn't in overtime, right? So that was still in regulation. And I think at that point we kind of realized uh, that maybe we're going to be here for a bit, right? Because then you're starting to push on fuel. So some of the guys who had stayed out, like, do they have enough fuel? And honestly, I thought Michael Grilly is going to win this race. Um, you know, he looked really good on the restart and I thought he had a really good opportunity to do it. Obviously Keegan Leahy with the highest running driver with the fresh tires uh, was in a really good spot. And uh, then technical green white checker number one but attempt number two per se at the finish happened yeah so green white checker number one it was the top three got lined up uh, pretty quick the ones without tires um and then it was caution leahy into the wall completely destroyed it looked like for me he turned down onto ottinger uh there was a lot of shuffling going about right there um it was a tough break after leading 85 laps um and he, he felt like, you know, in the after interviews, he was like, man, I was going to win it. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, he I think Conti, who was on the bottom for that restart, was going to be stuck. I don't think he was going to be able to get to the inside of Guerrilla and Diaz. And Leahy just had to either go to a third lane to get above Tian or just to kind of force his way through. 
in, yeah, I mean, he's in the catbird seat. And again, you know, Leahy doesn't even need to win this race to move on. He just needs to basically hold the top five, top 10, you know, best car um, on the night. And he gets involved in an accident. And, and all of a sudden, I mean, in the blink of an eye, our entire championship picture has been flipped on its head. And, and we're not even done with this race yet. Yeah, you know, and what I was thinking, it's classic NASCAR style. I mean, NASCAR, it seems like these storylines kind of come to fruition throughout a race, uh, especially in the playoffs. And it, it, we have a lot of those with Nick running out of gas and and then the caution, and now Keegan uh, destroyed, and he ends up, I think, 32nd. Green-white checker number two, Ottinger gets to second on the bottom. He goes high on Mike Garigula to go around him. Uh, Conti follows through but gets shuffled high, and then maybe it's even six wide and then a huge wreck. But they did get the white, so Nick Ottinger wins. And Nick, you know, it's, I think he's been slept on so much this year, despite the fact that, you know, he's he's got multiple race wins and, and is now locked into the championship four. Um, and I don't know why, because I think a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, Zelensky, even though, you know, he, he did get the win on the super speedway, but he's kind of known as the road guy. And, uh, you know, obviously his ability to, to get the job done when it matters has been big. We talked about losers, woes. We've talked about, you know, Ray being back in, Conti being back in, because those guys are the past champions. I mean, Nick Ottinger, a guy who's been around this series for so long, I think if Leahy doesn't, you know, move through, he could be my favorite. Jimmy Mullis. I mean, there's been a lot of drivers who have had stories because they've had ups and downs. Ottinger has been so consistent and he has turned it up to the next level in these playoffs. Uh, I think people have been sleeping on him. And I think he's used that as motivation because he has stormed in and taken a spot in the championship for looking, you know, for, for a long awaited championship. Yeah. He's looking really good for sure. But to, let's talk about the heartbreak of Mike Conti. I mean, he was right there. He got hit from behind, and it just shuffled him up, and it, his race was done at that point. But, um, man, he was so close, too. Yeah, he was. Nick was the first driver to get through. He kind of split that gap to go low to high, and, and Conti basically tried to do the same thing, and he wasn't clear. And I think Conti moved up, tapped Jarl a little bit, which loosened him up, um, and that's when – you know, everybody lost their mind and, and they were five, six wide or whatever into the corner. And at that point, when they're four wide, I mean, Conti doesn't care. You know, he needed the win. Um, the second he moved up and got loose when he got into T and it was done. Uh, finishing fifth wouldn't have felt any better than finishing 35th. He needed the win. That's why he went for that gap that wasn't necessarily there. And, you know, if he moves up and doesn't get into Jarl, I don't think it makes a difference. I think the key was being that first car to get up and, and kind of pull out a line on, on Gorilla. And, and once Ottinger did it, that was it. Uh, I think the only thing that could have helped Conti at that point was if they wrecked before the line to get us another restart attempt, because that would have put him probably second um, or third, depending on uh, you know where he would have been in relation to the 15. Um, but that, that I think that's why Conti made a move uh, that basically – I'm not going to say he caused the wreck, but it kind of kicked off all the, you know, guys diving high and low. And that's because he needed a win and and he knew that. So it's going to be same objective for him going into Texas is he's going to need a win. And sometimes it means you got to make the uncomfortable move per se. And then a big high five for Mike Garigula uh, for staying out and just taking a gamble and on the win. And if things 
could have went a little bit differently, he could have won it easily. So um, it was a great uh, opportunity for him, and he made the best of it. I think he finished fifth. So the uh, running order was Ottinger, Clampett. He stuck in the second. Zelinski, where'd he come from? Third. Luza, fourth. Uh, he was running back in the back for quite a bit early in the race, but he comes home fourth. Uh, then Mike G, and then Mullis, Alfala. He gets a nice run. Low, Lion, and Ray. Yeah, just to the point on, on Gorilla, I thought he was going to win it too. Um, you know, we were pulling up stats. So if he won it, I knew how many career starts it had taken. And, you know, you always want to see a guy get uh, a first career win. So I think it's coming. And honestly, you know, I joke about it, you know, that being the guy racing trope of somebody staying out like that. But he, I mean, he hit a really good look. I mean, it ended up being a really good call. He gains a lot of spots to get that top five. Um, so I think that's coming. Uh, you know, you talk about the playoff guys. I mean, you know, Leahy's in a tough spot now because he's 19 points, I think, below the cut. Uh, Garrett Lowe's eight below the cut. Alfalo's 21, which are drivers who are technically in the points bubble. Um, but Conti down 43 needs to win. Um, and on the flip side, of course, Bobby's locked in. Nick is locked in. And then we got Jimmy plus 12 and Lou's a plus eight. If I'm those guys, I'm sweating because I don't need to get Keegan Leahy'd. You know, I mean, take the, you know, with those intervals, if you're P10, take the P10, take the P11. If the guy in 11th is on you, right? Like, just don't wreck it out. Make them go out and win the race. I mean, you know, the Garrett could win the race fifth in, in points and then it would bump lose it down. So not to say that you don't have to, to race for the win. Cause that's been Steve's thing is I think you have to treat every race as a must win. But after what happened to Keegan, it doesn't matter how good you are. It only matters where you finish. So curious how uh, those drivers are going to try to play with the points um, at Texas. You know, we saw a lot of that kind of strategizing when we went to the uh, the regular season finale a little bit earlier uh, this year from Dega. You know, kind of similar storylines to what you saw in the Cup Series at Daytona. Um, but I, I, you know, I just, I wonder if someone's gonna, gonna make a mistake. Does one of those guys drop out? Do we see another first time winner? Because if, if somebody from below, you know, gets a win, low, Leahy, uh, Fallow, whatever, then Luz and Mullis would be fighting for the last spot and they'd only be four points apart, right? So something tells me we're going to get a lot of use out of our live points tracker next Tuesday. Oh yeah, for sure. I could see, you know, Leahy, you know, he has enough points to get in, and running where he's at 10th or 15th. So he stays out of that front pack at the end of the race, you know, to try to avoid one. And, you know, not in, not this year, but Ryan Luza won at Texas uh, two years consecutively uh, in 2018 and 2019. So even though he's a guy that's above and, and, you know, doesn't necessarily need to win, he's a guy that has a lot of great history here. Um, but you've also got Ray Alfala, a two-time Texas winner, Nick Ottinger, who's already locked in with a win, a Texas winner uh, from back in 2013 when he had one of his best uh, statistical seasons of his career in a series history where he won, um, you know, like seven races or six races or whatever the number was. So um, there's a lot of those playoff eight that have, have found victory lane at Texas. Granted, um, this is not the Texas of 2013, right? Obviously, New Texas is very different. So uh, I'm not sure how reliable looking back on past stats is going to be. I think you, you kind of got to go into it just thinking it's a totally different racetrack. Yeah, I'm thinking Lee, he's a favorite going into next week for the win. Uh, 
but you know, Luza, he's from Texas. So, you know, and like you said, he's won it uh, before several times. So it'll be one of those two is my guest. Hey, uh, Evan Pasoko, thank you for so much, so much for coming on talking Coke racing. Uh, we're really looking forward to this playoff. It's been fun. Yep. Happy to, uh, to have you guys, uh, you know, invite me on every week and, and to be able to talk about Coke series racing. We hope that everybody's enjoying the action at home and, uh, Texas is going to be fun. Uh, you know, whether your driver ends up above or below, or if you're you're just kind of uh, rooting on the side of chaos, uh, it's going to be a wild end to the round of eight, and, and hope everybody tunes in with us. All right, we'll do. More cars pile in, but it's all behind the race leader of Nick Ottinger, who's going to take the win at Kansas and punch his ticket to the Homestead finale. All right, let's get into topics. Uh, they're sponsored by Schoolyard Setups. Struggling to crawl into the top 10 in Road to Pro, always in the back of the Xfinity. Can't find that extra 10th to compete for wins in the NASCAR iRacing Series. Visit schoolyardsetups.com and get ready, ready setups for A, B, and C each week. Enter referral code 207124 when you sign up so they know you heard it from iRacers Lounge. Don't get bullied around the track again. Get your setups at schoolyardsetups.com. Also, Mike, before we get into topics here, just uh, inviting, uh, we do have uh, Roger Craig joining us uh, for the podcast tonight to, uh, to maybe give some insight on some stuff, and then he's going to share a topic with us later. All right. Welcome, Roger. Yeah, thanks, uh, guys. Uh, I guess the old famous first-time caller, long-time listener. I've been uh, listening to the podcast for a couple of years now, and uh, it's been invaluable for me, I'll tell you. All right, awesome. All right, I'll take the first topic and also welcome Roger. We have a Vertry Victory Lap voting starting now. We got a tweet from the NTT IndyCar Series, and they're taking nominations. Or actually, it looks like they already have the vote on the nom- on the nominations. This is a vote um, on, I guess, the wildest iRacing moment, and it, it's specifically for this from the series. And the the most popular tweet by a tight margin of about seven percent is with with daily at watson's glen and he basically has a car flying o- over a uh, part of the field as they're coming under uh, uh, up one over the hill yeah pretty cool looking replay and uh, where the car's flipping everywhere and he kind of drives under it but uh, the way he laughs about it as he drives away from the wreck uh, was kind of funny it's funny how you know uh they do as much as they can with the physics but you you get uh Sometimes when the cars get in the air, it's just, it's funny and unrealistic, but pretty cartoonish and entertaining at the same time. You can have a car land on you, but if you get lucky with the net code, take no damage. I think it's cool that this is a tweet that IndyCar put out. So IndyCar, is, and then what they did is they put a, a short video clip of each of the four things that you can vote on. They tweet, uh, Twittered out of the video clip, of four, you know, four different times. And so you... It was kind of fun just to watch each one of them and then go up and vote. And it was kind of a, a neat little activity. It uh, looks like they had 1,423 votes. All right, guys, that takes us to our next story. And this is really just kind of a reminder from last week. Week We did a story um, about a benefit race for um, for um, a little guy from Australia. And they get to New York to- to the Memorial Sloan Kettering Center, uh, and um, he's suffering from uh, 
neuroblastoma. And uh, so we talked about the charity race, and we're just going to give you guys a reminder that that race will be held on Sunday, November 1st. Um, so that's for Nixon. Um, and uh, just a reminder to, to sign up for that race. And also, if you can't make that race, you can always go to the their GoFundMe page, which is available to make donations directly to uh, to help out Nixon. Um, we got a little, uh, we got a uh, a message in the uh, forums from and uh, thanking us basically for mentioning the race last week. So uh, sign up, guys, and uh, get you know get your donations in. It goes to a great cause. Yeah, and he threw up the uh, GoFundMe link, and so the, if you go to GoFundMe and search Nixon's Hope for a Cure, you'll find it. And I was kind of blown away. He's actually raised three hundred and eighteen thousand dollars of the three hundred and fifty thousand dollar goal. So, relatively speaking, they're really close to reaching the goal. It's a crazy goal to have, but those operations and then those medicines and stuff—they're so expensive. It's—he's gonna—their money is gonna go to a great cause, but it, sometimes it just doesn't seem like enough. And I don't know—I don't know what the healthcare system down in Australia is like, but. Uh, um, well, that's the, really expensive. The reason they're coming here is because the treatment is just not Oh, yeah, that's allowed. right. Sorry, was, yeah. yeah, that's right. They're coming to New York, so that would be completely out of their own pocket then, right? You guys... Yeah, you don't have an insurance company that's going to pay for that, right? Yeah. It's unfortunate that... Uh, I mean, obviously, it's an experimental thing I remember from last week, but uh, yeah, it's pretty... Ex that's a, that's not going to be a cheap, uh, cheap thing to go through, so I'm glad that they've gotten uh, close to their goal. All right, uh, we'll keep rooting for Nixon to get to New York. Uh, let's talk a bunch of Tyler Hudson tidbits on the forum, Greg. Well, the first thing that came up, Tyler Hudson, he was uh, he was going on about a post about the pro uh, pro truck series, and I guess the, the participation levels between the two of them don't really match up. And he was trying to find out why it might be happening because he's finding out that. 140 or 1,437 drivers are participating in the Pro 4, but only 271 are in the Pro 2 series. And um, he just wanted to know if maybe they're uh, dropping a series for the license or um, doing something that different that would help it out. And he was asking the page. And uh, there was some... Uh, or some people were talking about some different things that you can do in here to to change it, but I don't know. Do you guys? What would you guys think the difference is between the two? Well, the Pro Two is a much harder truck to drive than the Pro Four, um, for sure. Um, it just won't turn, and uh, for, for me anyway. And and I would gravitate towards the Pro Four any day over the Pro Two. So I think that's really the answer. And so this was a neat thread to read because there's several pages of good ideas back and forth about how, how can we make this a better series? They're talking about tweaking uh, maybe the power structure of the truck um, and stuff like that. It's kind of good that they are trying to get it even between the two series. Like obviously no one wants to participate only with 271 drivers participating in it, right? Like it's, it's hard to find your time of the week to drive. It must be only like one or two times a week you can get in the truck and race. What I love is that there's somebody whose job is to look at this and figure it out and make it better. 
you know, because all of us as racers, you know, we just show up and, oh, there's nobody here. So I guess I'm not going to run it, you know, and we don't do anything about it. But Tyler's taking it on. He's like, yeah, let's let's figure this out. Let's see how we can get some more people involved. Do we need, is it a timing thing? Do they overlap with other races? Is it fixed versus open? You know, all those questions. And then Tony, uh, they talked about uh, maybe raising the uh, max amount of starters. Yeah. And well, this one I found uh, a little interesting because I had no idea what the, um, what the number is when they, when they start making uh, splits. I don't know about that for, any of the series, let alone the, the trucks, but I'd learned that the trucks um, is currently at 12 and uh, Tyler Hudson put up on the forums just uh, asking for some input um, about, you know, moving it up to, to 16. And, uh, you know, one of the replies was, was quite positive that, yeah, obviously they would, um, would like that. But uh, the person that replied said that they wanted, um, they wanted to be able to, you know, race with more trucks. Now, I don't run these series very often, if at all. Um, but I always thought the the truck series had good participation, but maybe not so much. Um, yeah, I think it, the posit- it was positive in the forum thread. Everybody going to sixteen versus twelve, and for me, I'm always like, let's have more. The more vehicles, the better, and that's kind of why I like NIS because you're going to have 33 to 37 cars when in a, you know, a open or a fix, you don't have that many. And I think it makes a difference in how the race plays out having that extra 10 cars in the race. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just like the fact that now that I know what the, the number is, you know, for the, for the splits, I, should probably go look up if I can to see where the other um, series that I'll run randomly, um, where they split at. I don't think that's something you can look up, though. Uh, it'd be nice if they published that, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, Tyler Hudson seems to be on a on a bit of a tear, just trying to get, uh, you know, try to change things for the good, see what people want. Love that about iRacing, that they, they ask us. Yep. He also gave us an update on the Crandon land rush, uh, where they all line up to get on a straight line and start the race. Uh, he said, there's no update yet. It's turned out to be quite a project. He said, which is kind of interesting if they were, um, obviously planning it and all of a sudden now it's like they planned it to have it as a release. And then all of a sudden now it's kind of just taking a lot longer. It's something they obviously missed when they were creating it. I'd have to know more about, what's going on behind the scenes as far as building the software for it to know what's making it harder to do than they expected. Well, what was the original problem that the reason they took it out? Is it just was glitching? I don't even remember, but I was thinking it's a grid, right? Everybody, normally we're lined up in a grid. We're all in a line, but in this case, we're all, they're all in the same position, so to speak. Right. So maybe it's a different kind of programming. It starts like a uh, motocross race basically it's not actually on the track it's actually looks like it's like on the grass on the infield or something like that that they start from maybe that has something to do with it it's off the racing surface right correct yeah 
and I know I mean you can have standing racing starts on the track so, but there must be there may be something with it being off the track surface whether it, whether it's causing them to get an X or something I don't know maybe they'll have more details about it it's uh, one of those things that's kind of slipped from our mind yeah and if I'm not mistaken I, ha- I don't have Crandon so I don't know for sure but I think they're doing a rolling start more like you know like a like a stock car start instead of where they that's what they're um, doing now yeah yeah instead of gridding up like the trucks do in the other races so what they're saying is it's going to be very hard to put drag racing in iRacing well that's a whole different world uh but speaking of a world we're familiar with uh when it comes to drafting greg do you even lift bro am i supposed to lift well, that's the question Michael Sparks was asking. He posted the question um, in in uh, track or in draft track racing. Do you prefer to uh, toggle the throttle or modulate the throttle or scrub the brake to keep from hitting the cars in front of you when you don't want to? See, this question's changed over the last two years too, right? The answer to this because when you were restrictor plate racing, you didn't want to be out of the throttle, but now that there's spacer, that's the tapered spacer. It's not as big of a deal. I always preferred to be a little bit out of throttle because it, it was easier to control and it saved gas. Now, I can't, I, do, I can't speak in the real world. I remember when they were doing the tandem drafting thing that they had to stay on the throttle just so that the cooling system would stay f- full throttle. If they got off the gas, they'd actually blow the engine. For me, it's all about if you need to save gas or not. If gas isn't an issue... I'm going to hold down the throttle and, and drag the brake if needed. But if I'm if it's early in the race and we're not on the last pit stop or past the last pit stop, I'm definitely not doing that. I'm lifting the throttle, trying to save fuel. Yeah, um, a couple, couple people mentioned what you said, Mike, uh, to keep RPMs up higher by dragging the brake, lifting it, and, and uh, getting back on it. But I was actually surprised responded in that thread was uh, Keegan Leahy and he said he lifts he does not drag the brake and when he's drafting and uh, you know he's been pretty successful in uh, in draft uh, in uh, restrictor plate races he won the Daytona for the Coke series yep I like doing the drag the brake especially on restarts uh, like as we're coming up to the restart what I'll do is I'll hold down both throttle and brake at the same time and so the revs are up. I'm holding the brake so I don't run into the guy in front of me. And then when the green goes, I just let go of the brake. My my throttle's already down, and it it works. It'll give you an advantage over the guy next to you. I actually just started doing that, Mike, since you uh, started talking about that a couple weeks ago, and I've noticed a huge improvement on my restarts. Yeah, it works. Well, you're basically, the motor's revving itself up and you're just taking the brake off and it's kind of just like launching it forward. It's not, you're not, that split second where your brain says accelerate, you're not missing that spot to push the pedal down, right? So that's that's what you're seeing as the difference, right? Well, the RPMs are up even though I'm holding the brake. Um, yeah, they're up, too, yeah. not where they would normally, but they're up over where you wouldn't be. But, and that's the key difference. Like you said, you don't have to think about it. You just let go of the brake and the revs are already there. And you're putting it in a better part of the power band, basically. Every engine has has different parts of the RPM where it can where it can get more torque. So, um, Connor Rockwood, he was contemplating the amount of uh, of his iRacing content he has. Um, you know, just kind of like 
considering all the tracks and cars he had. And he kind of counted it up and figured it got a number. And he thought he'd put a post on the forums asking everybody and taking a survey survey about how much content do you guys own and that that includes free and le legacy content so if you add up all your cars uh, all the cars that you've bought and were free and all the tracks that you bought for free what's the number come to so i did that myself i counted up by i own 48 cars and i have 79 tracks and i so uh i put that in the uh in his uh, survey that he did there. And uh, looks like I'm a little bit lower than the top level, but I'm like uh, in the 10% uh, range at uh, between 130 and 150. So yeah, so uh, how about you guys? How, how much content do you guys own? It looks like I'm about in the same place with just a few more cars and one less track. Now, how do you add these up easily? Or is there a place you can look up this in the new UI perhaps? <laughs> no, I just I had to count it. I just scrolled. I just went to uh, the old website and went my cars and my tracks and went one, two, three, four, etc. Now, did you count the pro trucks as two or like anything? Well, no, I guess that didn't really. It's a good point. You, that's one purchase, but you get two vehicles. I just counted each, uh, each, icon, box. each picture I saw. Yeah, each box. Now, that's do you I get? Did. I went with my cars and just scrolled down counting them. I I don't have enough fingers and toes. Do you have um is is do you get more of a percentage like after the forty percent? No. I've hit that. I'm surprised at how many people Whatever are at the means. top level. Um it's twenty four percent voted at the top level of hundred and seventy or more. I'm in like the high sixties for cars. Well it will come down to how many different aspects of this of the service you want to run, you know. Uh I run the sports cars and the uh, and all the stock cars, though I haven't been running the short tracks in a l long time. Any of the short track series for years, um, or I probably might have a few more of those. Uh, there are some people who can run all four. The majors has made maybe buy a few tracks that I probably wouldn't have had before in cars, but uh, it just depends on how many different services you run. If somebody is road only, their count's going to be a little bit lower. And only 3% voted that they'd have the free stuff only where they haven't bought any content. 3%. I think I'm pretty much almost all the... I, I'm only missing probably 10 or 15, maybe 10 cars and less than 10 tracks. I mean, if you're starting on iRacing and you're brand new, would it, are you okay just running the free stuff and not buying a single car or track for a while? You were now compared to what? five or six years ago when you had to buy a lot of stuff, but now you got a lot of stuff to start with. That's true. Because when I started, we didn't have dirt, you know, and all that. And they've made a lot of stuff, uh, free content here recently. Some of the older cars and tracks. I think most of the rookie series is all free tracks, right? I think so. I think they do, they do it that way on purpose. So did we already cover the triple, this, this next stock article, Greg, or is this a different charity race? Uh, so this is for, uh, Brian, uh, sorry, um, Roger, we're going to bring Roger in here. Yeah, this to, is a different one. Uh, go over his, uh, triple crown charity week. And, uh, Roger, do you want to fill us in on, uh, why we've, uh, had you come on as a guest today and, uh, what, uh, your event is here? 
Yeah, for sure, uh, Greg. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for uh, letting me come on. And uh, GeForce Racing League, uh, next week, uh, they, we shut down our regular racing. And uh, it'll be the Epsilon Sprint Wraps Triple Crown Charity Week. So, uh, as mentioned earlier, this is a benefit for five-year-old Lennox Mobley. Uh, he was severely burned in a, a freak pit accident in Port Royal in, earlier in September, uh, airlifted out. Um, so, and he had some severe burns. So, uh, uh, a, a great cause. Uh, we're working through the Steve King Foundation. So, Steve King was a sprint car driver, and our league is a dirt league. Uh, uh, Steve King was a sprint car driver who lost his life at uh, the Knoxville National about 10 years ago. And from that, his family started uh, the Steve King Foundation. They've helped uh, drivers, I think it's in 34 states, uh, Canada, Australia, uh, you know, families families uh, that are struggling uh, you know, from the, the effects of uh, uh, injuries, etc. So uh, it runs from October 27th to November 2nd. Uh, we have three divisions. There will be a 360 division, which will be open setup, and then street stock and prolate model fixed divisions. 12 races in total, all broadcast. And it's uh, $10 for uh, one class, $20 for all three. Or, you know, if, if you've got listeners out there, uh, they can just donate. Um, we have a, a page on our website. The website is uh, GF, GforceRL.com. If you go to GforceRL.com, there's a, a page there dedicated to it, and uh, there's a link there to uh, go to the do donation page. Um, there'll be plaques for the division champs, trophy for the overall champ, uh, provided by A&J Custom Creations, and uh, lots of door prizes. So uh, we, we typically, uh, you know, we, we run the iRacing seasons, and uh, every season we try to do uh, a benefit for somebody. So we've done it for veterans and the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And we've done Steve King Foundation before, and uh, this is certainly uh, a worthy cause. And I know we like to see anybody hurt, especially young people. So um, just, uh, you know, if anybody's interested, you know, you don't, there's, you're, you're guaranteed two races each division, but there's as many as four. So you don't have to race them all. You just need to race one to qualify for the uh, Monday Night Championship race. So the, the qualifiers are next week on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. And uh, then the Sunday is your LCQ, and then uh, Monday the championship feature. That's correct, yes. Well, it looks like a great event. Um, I hope you guys get a lot of people. Uh, boy, uh, you know, to think about a five-year-old getting caught up in a pit refueling accident, boy, I mean, I'm thinking, why is a five-year-old in the pits? Well, he was, he was in the trailer. It was his grandfather. His grandfather um, is one of the top uh, world outlawed model drivers and uh rick eckert and uh he was playing in the trailer and um i, I was taught we do a, a show pitside podcast and we were we were talking to uh steve king's uh, sister uh, who runs the foundation uh, and uh, she was saying it was just a combination of humidity it was a uh, like a static electricity sort of thing so it was just a. she said it was just all these conditions came together caused like a real freak accident so he was nowhere near i don't think that the car being refueled he's playing in the in the hall wow and somehow uh, you know i don't know how but it was uh uh and like i say he was airlifted out and uh um i mean he's he's recovering but he's got some serious except three burns and it's a, it's a long haul to the uh 
the burns unit uh, that they, they've been dealing with. So, um, you know, anything we could do to help them would be. Yeah, I feel for this guy. I was burned uh, as a child as well uh, with third degree burns on my leg, and it's no laughing matter. And you got a picture of the young lad up on your website here for the for the information about the Triple Crown Charity Week. Uh, so that website, gforcerl.com. Yeah, and uh, like like you, Mike, I I lost my father uh, to uh, serious burns, so this really is close to home for me, and. Um, Anything we can do for this little guy uh, would be great. So, uh, just want to thank you for uh, you know letting us talk about it, and hopefully, some of your viewers out there, you're more than welcome to come out. Uh, our league has 15 divisions, uh, three tiers of 360s on Mondays, so there's something for everybody. So, uh, you know, this is open to anybody that has an iRacing account. So, uh, feel free. And the other thing is, I would like to. Uh, talk to somebody afterwards about the event for the other young guy in Australia because I want to make sure our Sunday events don't, uh, we can move our times just so we, we don't want to walk on each other. So, uh, you know, they're both great events and, uh, and worthy causes. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. We have two kids in need here, uh, both have different uh, experiences and trauma, but uh, it, it's neat to see the racing community come together like always and just do whatever we can, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we've always considered our league a community league. And uh, it shows when, uh, you know, we've got, uh, we had Epsilon Sprint Wraps, uh, which is, does a great job. They, they, they're covering most of the cost of this event. And then we've had the four racing teams within our league that have stepped up to cover off the balance. And, and hopefully there's extra there to throw in. I'm sure there will be to throw in to, uh, to add to the pot. So it's uh, just a great event. And uh, can't wait for, you know, to see the results from it. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, uh, Roger, Craig, and telling us about this. Uh, we'll certainly uh, look for this on the broadcast uh, next week. Do you know where it's going to be broadcast? Yes, OSRN is. Uh, so OSRN will be doing uh, a majority of the races, and also uh, Whiskey Oval uh, will be doing it. And they're all broadcast on GeForce TV. So GeForce TV is a 24-7 racing channel. It originated out of Bushwick Speedway up here in Canada, which is the premier dirt track in Canada. So they have their own uh, TV, TV uh, uh, YouTube station, and uh, and we're on. We're, we get a lot of time in the winter when uh, when the other stuff shuts down. So uh, they'll all be on GeForce TV on YouTube. Okay, very good. We'll look for that, and uh, hopefully we get some uh, drivers uh, signing up for you and helping out the young lad who got burned. Thanks, and thanks for all of the you know the great work you guys do. I, I enjoy listening to the show every week. Like I say, since I got into iRacing, it's uh, it's uh, opened my mind to you know being aware of a lot of things I wasn't aware of. So uh, it, it's uh, very even beneficial, and uh, appreciate your show. All right, thank you. I guess Tony, you got the next one. Yeah, and I'm probably the worst guy to be covering this one. Do you want me to take it? You got it. I I raced curse strikes again, and I got crickets. I was looking through the forums, and I, I, I don't even know what's going on. There's two supercars. <laughs> There's so what's cr- so what's happening is it looks like the supercar series over in Australia is getting a remake in 2022, kind of just like NASCAR is possibly getting a its remake in 2022. Um, but they're they're the Holden uh, supercar. Uh, from what I believe is going away. So they're bringing this Camaro body style in, which 
they're going to have to change the body styles of all the cars. I'm from what I'm presuming through the article here, um, which I don't know if you guys are seeing these pictures. You're obviously looking at it. Uh, it's, it's an interesting look on what these cars are looking like. These cars are what NASCAR needs to do to make their car look like the manufacturer car. Like <laughs> I don't, I, these cars relate to you looking at them going down the road is what they actually are on the road. Like if I watch this on TV, I can go into my dealership and purchase a car that's not far off of this, which is really cool to look at. And these designs for the concepts of them coming up is, it's very intriguing and it'll be something to follow over the next couple of years here between the Mustang and the Camaro. And I don't know, um, talking about, uh, I don't know if there's Kia Stinger is is a real concept for or not, or it's just a rumor, but it looks like it is rumored to be in discussions too. So if they had a third manufacturer, that would be cool, um, which might open it even more because the more these cars look like actual factory cars, that's where the old adage, you win on Sunday, you know, buy on Monday type thing. Is, is Holden going away or... Yeah, they're taking Holden away from the series. Uh, I think Holden in general is is being taken away in Australia. I, I don't know that for sure, but I thought the, I read that. The model is discontinued. Yeah, that's what it was. But you're spot on, Greg, about this should be a NASCAR. This is a NASCAR. This looks like something you could buy. And if NASCAR was to build a brand new car for you know 2023 or 2022 or whatever year they're doing it, why wouldn't it look like this? I mean, you're, you are spot on with that assessment. Well, here's a question for any listener out there that happens to be know of this. I'd like to know if there is an oval series out there for this car, uh, because it does drive a lot, you know, like a heavier car. I just, we just ran the majors race at, uh, at Mount Panorama and I uh, struggled with it just like I did in the, in the big thousand uh, marker race. But um, I'm really curious how this car would drive on the ovals. But I don't know, like even looking at that Mustang, it is not far off of what the production car. Like obviously these are concepts, so we always, cars look a lot different under concept uh, than that they do a final thing. But if they're even close to this, it's, it's a win, I would th- say over there, because they love their auto racing over there in Australia with it, just kind of like we're passionate here about um our nascar and if they start making cars look like these and perform on the track really well you're not gonna have a problem selling cars and selling the sport which might mean bringing in more manufacturers to uh, our series yeah it's 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 the difference between uh, stock cars that race and race cars that look stock you know so you know i think nascar would be doing themselves a favor to get back to you know stock cars that race rather than just race cars that kind of look stock and um yeah i think i think that would do a lot for the manufacturers actually now this topic was started on the forums mainly because he called it the iRacing curse strikes again and that's the idea that every time we scan a car or something they go and change it right well that, that's the only thing that um the only thing that doesn't get that type of treatment, it seems to be the oval or the cup cars. They, they've been the same the last little bit. They just get a little bit of tweaks here and there. Now it looks like that's, that's a whole scanning of a whole new series after they just switched the body types in, uh, for these supercars that 
really handle really, really nice. Yeah, they're really nice cars. But if they get like three or four manufacturers and they all look like this, man, that series would be popular. I I can tell you that. Yeah, we don't have to don't excuse me. We don't really have to fight that curse with the cup cars either, because right now with the tight partnership with NASCAR, and if something gets changed in real life, it gets changed pretty quick on the service as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I wish NASCAR would take a closer look at those supercars and rethink their their new car. Well, we had we did have some inklings that they are. I mean, they're they're going to the sequential six speed, uh, and they're. Uh, they're getting rid of the sheet metal and going with some composite bodies. So no more five. Maybe happen. Yeah, they're going to the single nut with an eighteen-inch rim. Like that's that's starting to look like a, we just never. The thing is, we've seen what the actual cup car looks like, a generic body of it. We've never seen a manufacturer put the body on yet. Which I'm hoping next year, if they're testing more, when they start testing again, that they start showing some concepts of what that actually is going to be like too, so that people can relate to it a little bit more. A generic body is kind of like, kind of like reminds me of what the COT was when it first came in. Well, the camouflage paint too, you know, that kind of hides the curves of it. But when they came out with a COT and they, instead of trying for manufacturer identity, they were just trying to get rid of all the, the shenanigans that were going on with, with the twisted sister. Side stepping child thing. Toad out. Well, I mean, they had, they had Ray Evernham had found so many ways to get around those templates that it it didn't look like a race car. I mean, it looked like a it didn't look like a stock car for sure at that point. And then they well, none tr- of the sides matched. Yeah, and they so they tried to fight that with the COT, but then everybody hated the COT as well. Anyways, good on uh, the Supercar Series for you know coming up with something that excites fans. All right, next up, um, how to set your at drivers as your default radio. There was a forum post from Jason Carlevage uh, about how he couldn't hear, uh, people couldn't hear him on the all teams uh, channel. So staff member Tanner McCullough responded showing how to correct the problem. And he really does drop some knowledge here. Um, He said, if you go into my documents, iRacing, scripts, radio, you can set your radio scripts there that adjust which changes are muted, which channels are muted, and which, and you're switched to under certain conditions. Like if you're in the car or out of the car, it'll switch you to a certain channel based on what condition you're on. This seems like something that's been missing. As like I, I've, this is the first I've ever heard that you can set it that way. Well, it's probably been there. It's just when you start talking about settings that you have to go into a text file, that's the old way school, old school way of changing things. And for some people, they're like, what's a text file? But why can't this be something that's in your sound settings? Or like this, this could easily be a drop-down box somewhere in one of those tabs in the actual have sim. You, have you looked at the AI file? Yes, I know there's, there's a, a lot. Of <laughs> there's a lot more stuff in there that that's easier to just put in as a text line rather than having it all be on graphic unif- graphic interface pages. Yeah, and I'm not going to say verbally what the codes are that you have to ch- put into the thing. You'll have to go look it up in the forums, but it's out there. Uh, the forum thread's called How to Set the At Drivers as Default Radio. So I was on my stream last night and actually had somebody come on and ask why I, I race. 
And the next article also, I mean, I, I gave a little bit of a short answer, but this guy, Martin Robertson, has a re- reviews editor in Eurogamer, and he wrote a really nice article that sums a lot of it up, uh, and it just says a lot of the same things we say, but he did it very eloquently. He focuses mostly on endurance racing, and some of us pl- have fun there too. Uh, so one of the neat things that he talked about is how cool it is to run when we're going from sun sun or nighttime to daytime excuse me for a second it is cool that, i mean i got to do that at lama and that was so much fun when it was the sunrise coming up and to you know to take that two-hour drive where it's dark and then it's starting to get in the light and then it's like bright and then i really felt like i had to put on sunglasses at one point because it just didn't feel you know like i was like that's the natural thing to do yeah, and he said that was definitely that's his favorite time to race. I think he called it the golden hour. Uh, he had some kind of nickname for it. I read the article almost a week ago, so some of it's already a little bit hazy. Um, and he talked about also how it's really good pickup racing in a lot of cases uh, compared to any lobby, and we we've got plenty of examples at, of things going wrong but you do have the protest system and you and they do they do officiate it better than any lobby in in some of your other uh race game sims do have those those are the two biggest points is that that it, that the officiating is done really well it's very realistic and um especially on the endurance racing side the transitions from day to night that we talked about that a couple of years ago when it first came out that it just made everything so much more grand in that type of racing yeah and he gave a nice history in the article of iRacing david kamer uh how he got it started um and so forth kind of a history lesson so to speak i found that kind of uh, interesting well and i i looked at this when i read this article too um David, when I sent it across to us, I I thought it was quite interesting because I thought about myself, why I iRace. And I think it's over the last, or, or why I raised over the last year, for me, it's become or more apparent why I do is I like the immersion aspect of getting into VR. It, VR seems to be the thing that excites me the most now about doing all this stuff. Well, VR is actually what brought me back to racing. I had, you know, been big in R Factor back in the days, running just kind of on a, a one or two monitor setup, uh, and quit for a while. And then when VR came out, I was like, I'm going to try that with iRacing. racing, and came back in and tried it. And I was like, Yeah, this is cool. Man, for me, it's about the competition. It's about winning. It's about the thrill of victory on that final restart and get the job done. Um, I'm capable. I, I know it. I've done it. I've, I've won, you know, 49 career wins or whatever it is. So that's why I race. But it's not even that, Mike. Like, even if it's that hard-fought top five or, you know, even when you're having a bad night and you can salvage something out of it, you, you get that. Like, I know, David, like, sometimes even you, um, the last little while, you know, you're in top split. And when you have a, a you know, you salvage a great race knowing that, yeah, you're not as fast as some of the guys in there, but you know the the, the feeling of uh, accomplishment in certain parts it, it, it makes it makes doing this worth it. Yeah, agreed. Quite, it's not just about the win. It's hey, have a good run. Hey, I was a twentieth place car, but I finished seventh. 
and I'm going to sound a little Zen or a Buddhist here, uh, the irritating sessions, the having, the having the bad finishes actually makes those good finishes more valuable too. It might get just a little bit boring if you literally win everything. Woosa. The other thing too I was thinking is what makes racing fun for uh, for me now too is this, you know, having a team to race with, with you, with, you know, the, just the people that we get to race with, um, like, I've physically never met any of you guys, but I race with you all the time, right? Like, it just, uh-huh. I know you by a voice. Yep. Well, I'm just sitting over here like chopped liver, Greg. Well, we've met once, but like, you know what I'm <laughs> saying, right, Tony? I mean, we're lucky to live in the same, <laughs> like within a, an hour of each other. Um, you know, David and Mike are 10, 20 hours away. Yeah, and yeah. that is a neat part about it too, because we're all friends on top of this. So not only are we on a, we're teammates, but I, I, I consider all you guys friends, and and I and we we've been around each other enough that it's it's morphed into that. Yeah, before all of COVID started, we were all going to crash at Mike's place for the that would only be a couple race. weeks away too, eh? Yeah, <laughs> crash of Mike's couch. Well, I had a I had a plan actually where we were going to park a a big RV a big rented RV just right outside his house. Are we going to do the Christmas vacation movie stuff where we're out on the front lawn emptying it? The sewer and the drain. <laughs> well, Tony, you might be able to tell us a little bit about why the ladies of iRacing might like to race. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I'll tell you, it's a it's a lot of the same reasons. Um, why we like to race and well uh the aftermath guys um chris and the two tonys we made our our debut uh commentating for the ladies of iRacing they're um they did 50 laps at uh, charlotte last saturday and you know it was a really really fun race to watch um you know they're they they didn't have the numbers show up like they were hoping. Um, I think we had, uh, I think we only had ten ladies show up, but um, you know they were still able to put on a, uh, put on a little bit of show of a show. And uh, you know we we had the there was you know the front three or four they were battling the whole race, and uh, you know <laughs> uh, the winner was was a very unexpected winner. Um, you know, she she played the game right. She just kind of held back, and um, the front two were were battling so hard. They ended up getting into each other, taking each other out, and uh, she came from third and just shot for the win. Um, but uh, you know, it was it was a great race to watch. Um, they they definitely had a lot of fun, and uh, I, I know we had a lot of fun calling that race. Uh, it was certainly. Uh, a new experience um but uh yeah it was it was good it was really good did uh, you guys have a chance to check it out i did i watched uh in fact the battle for the lead you were talking about side by side i mean they weren't given an inch uh, either one of them and it was like okay who's gonna blink first and uh eventually neither one of them did and they they wrecked each other out but uh it was a great call to listen to you and the two tonys uh, uh chris and the two tonys uh call that race uh, when they got together uh, your reaction was pretty priceless well i think it was quite funny that uh, i really wish we could have heard what tony was uh, announcing when he was unplugged there for a little bit at the start of that race 
Oh yeah, <laughs> man. I'll tell you, it was probably like, you know, the best, like 45 to 120 seconds you've ever heard. And it's all <laughs> gone to the wind. <laughs> it's pure gold, right? hundred percent, hundred percent all lost. <laughs> uh, I, I'll tell you my experience for watching. Cause I, um, I was, uh, I had my daughter, my daughter, my one daughter was watching with me and my wife was in the background and could listen to it. I had it on, uh, on my phone on the, uh, Island here while we were doing some stuff, but, uh, I was really kind of engaged just to see how it was. Cause it was a different type of racing. Obviously it would have been a lot nicer to see a bigger field. Cause that would have probably made, uh, it would have been more exciting to watch for you guys too, to see how you guys could have called that. But I think the three, of you guys did a great job on it and, you know, my my daughter got to enjoy watching you know other women race and you know showing that it's kind of even possible that it's not just men that are racing and doing all this stuff that there's different um different ways you can get into racing and it kind of i like to show her that aspect so for me that was kind of like a a better moment just to watch that that way and uh but i appreciate that you guys did the call and that i was kind of exciting to see you guys get that call and then Janice Tarson uh, did post on our page, iRacers Lounge Facebook page. Uh, hey, they're looking for new drivers and new members for the ladies of iRacing. So uh, you listeners, get your wives involved and uh, and uh, hit, hit up Janice Tarson over there at Ladies of iRacing. Yeah, they're, uh, they're most definitely a very welcoming group. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's very casual off the track um but you know for anybody that that watched you, you know when they when they're on track um you know they're they're all about business i mean they're still laughing and still having a good time throughout it uh they're looking for ladies of all skill levels it doesn't matter if you've never turned a lap look these ladies up um guys i've said it before yeah you you want an easy way to to get new sim equipment or whatever get your ladies involved in this stuff and uh, it won't take them long to get hooked. Um, I know, like Lisa, she's she's right in it. Like she was, um, you know, throwing it down to me a couple weeks ago. She's like, uh, "When's when are you getting my rig done? You know, let's go. I'm tired of racing off this desk." Um, and I, I've been hearing a lot of similar stories throughout that group that they just wanted to, you know, kind of see what what it was all about and. Next thing you know, like they're they're in it, they're enjoying it, they're having fun, uh, they're getting to know the ladies, and uh, you know, as they say, off to the races, right? Well, I don't know if uh, Tony was it coming through on your side that you could hear some of their chatter when you guys were in the commentating. Yes, uh, actually, I went back and and uh, watched the broadcast. Um, afterwards and now i didn't realize that was going on so you probably heard me talking over the ladies lots because i actually had them muted i didn't realize it was going through the uh the broadcast but um yeah so that's what was uh that's what was going on there okay yeah because it was um it was kind of hard because it was it seemed like it was cutting in and out just to figure out what they were saying like it was very sparse i don't know how much those uh ladies were interacting with each other while they were racing or anything, but there was definitely some discussions after some of the incidents. Oh yeah, there for sure would be under caution and stuff like that. I know they don't, um, they don't want to talk too much, you know, during the racing, they're, they're focusing pretty good, but, uh, you know, 
if if uh, they have us back, we do it again. Um, you know, there's there's a couple of things that uh, I think we could do do different, do better. Um, but uh, all in all, it was it was a it was a great experience for for us. I know once when we stopped recording, um, you know, we, we I think we chatted about it for about a half an hour. We were just uh, we just had such a good time doing it. Okay, guys, uh, as out there like to win an awesome custom diecast made by Kyle Putts. Well, all you have to do is like the post on Twitter from Brandon Cattell and follow iRacing and follow Brandon Cattell on Twitter. And uh, you will be entered to win a, um, a diecast car of his number 14 iRacing paint scheme diecast car that he uses in the uh, Coke series. Uh, the winner of this test is going to be announced on October 27th at 8 p.m. And uh, yeah, just go ahead, sign up, and follow uh, Brandon, and follow iRacing, and uh, you'll be entered to win this uh, diecast car. You have to comment done on the uh, tweet as well. Um, and I did this hoping to win this diecast. I love this paint job. It's the iRacing uh, red, white, and blue. Uh, Kyle Putz does amazing work. I mean, I blew up the picture. I mean, it looks like a die-cash die you'd buy right from Plan B sales or something like that. Uh, very professional. It doesn't look like it's handmade at all. It is. Uh, we'll, we'll quickly uh, get to the next topic here. Uh, the IRX World Championship Round 3 at Atlanta. Um Atlanta is, a, is an interesting high-speed track to uh, to go around here for uh, these cars. Um, and they first they had a on Instagram they had a, a review of the IRX series uh, final of the race. Um, so here I'll go through with the results quickly here of the the heats and the LCQs. Um, so Subaru obviously dominated qualifying again because this is a high-speed track and uh, they seem to be hard to stop right now um but heat one was uh won by john robertson and sammy maddie trogan finished second uh heat two johan hearth won and yon uh yoni alakainen sorry i i uh sorry about the name there uh heat three uh tommy hallman uh won bobby Zelensky was second and then heat four mitchell de jong and tommy mackinan uh were one two um, the first LCQ uh, was won by Josh Fox, uh, which advanced him. And then the second LCQ was won by Bo Albert, um, which advanced then too. So that created the field. Um, John Robertson on the actual start of the race here got a, a great run down to the first uh, corner. Um, he completed the Joker lap early. A lot of the front guys completed the Joker lap early. And it wasn't a very uh, eventful uh, race. There wasn't a lot of battles, and I think a lot of it had to do with just because it was such a high-speed um, track, and uh, just didn't seem to be a lot of passing or anything. So, uh, John Robertson came out with the win, um, with Johan Haas second and Tommy Hallman third, and uh, yeah, it was a interesting race. It just I, f I feel like the racing wasn't as good as it could have been. Well, I mean that's kind of how rallycross rallycross goes, though. I mean it's. Uh... It's who can get that, you know, hole shot, you know, and get the lead off the, the bat. And then if you can get the joker done early and everyone's spread out, then it's like, okay, who's going to make a mistake, you know? And if there's no mistakes made, 
that's where you're finishing, you know? Yeah, you're basically, especially at Atlanta there, it's such a long run to turn one, and there's so many mistakes that could happen to one. If you can get through that corner and and get out of there quickly like uh, John Robertson did, he, uh, you know, it's basically, like you said, a whole shot and, and basically led the whole way through it. Well, that's a new name to me, John Robertson. He won the Heat one and then the main feature, so congrats to him. Next up, uh, Tyler Hudson is asked in the forums for uh, season one schedule submissions. And so he posted up probably about 30 different posts and 30 different forums across all the different series, uh, putting up a template, an Excel template for the schedule, and asking the, the you know community to work together on a schedule. And so you can submit your schedule uh, by November 13th via email, tyler.hudson at iracing.com. Now, he doesn't want a schedule from everybody. He wants the community in a particular series to work together on it and have one person submit the schedule. I was thinking I'm going, why is it? It seems like this is awfully early, but we're already halfway through this season. I can't believe how fast it's going. Yeah, it's time. Uh, one other thing that's coming up pretty quick. This is a reminder. We have the Super Session for the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Qualifying. It'll be running Saturdays at 1445 Greenwich Mean Time. And it takes the top points and each points for the current race week for those who sign up. Uh, you must race during the week and score enough points to be in the th- top 30 to guarantee your spot. Then you have to register for the Super Session when the registration opens, which is 30 minutes before that 1445 time if someone in the top 30 does not register that spot will go to the next highest person that registers and it'll all take place within the Porsche i racing cup series okay get it uh my normal rant about the ui well i did i didn't write anything up because nolan bates in the forums he's from texas he wrote it up for us um he put up um quite a list uh, I'm very impressed of things that he found in the new UI that needs to be adjusted. And so I'm not going (laughs) to go into details about what I might've found this week. I actually stayed out of the UI uh, this week and just used the website, but uh, shout out to Nolan Bates. Uh, Go check out his post. It's called some UI issues, mostly minor is what he calls it. But, uh, boy, he's got quite a definitive list going. And if you scroll down in the thread, he keeps on going. He he does post after post after post of examples of things that don't work. Are you you guys twins, Mike? Let's just get this guy on the show next week. I was going to say, we could have a whole (laughs) UI show. There's the other odd podcast we need to do, Mike and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> Nolan in his own show doing you uh, bash the UI. I'll just read this one of the hundreds of things that he put in here. Uh, when filing a protest after a race, it'd be nice if the UI immediately informed you that there is a waiting period before you can do it. As it currently stands, the UI allows you to select the relevant information in our description and attach files. Only when you try to submit it, does it tell you you can't do it? Uh, there was another part where he said, well, well he let me interrupt on that one. The website's he, the same way. Right. And if he clicks, like he'd type out the protest. And if you click out of the screen, like over in another part of the UI, everything you typed disappears and is gone. 
But yeah, anyway, on the, on the that's website, just one thing. On the website, the protest is a, is a separate window, but it still it doesn't tell you anything about the cooldown period until you try to go ahead and enter the protest. Right. Okay, Brian, how about Help Wanted? Yeah, guys. Uh, so Greg West posted in the forums, forums that iRacing is looking to hire a full-time employee as a quantitative tester with a focus on AI side of the sim. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool, right? So iRacing, it's... Um, they're looking for an experienced and successful sim racer with knowledge of vehicle dynamics, as well as an interest in AI to join the developmental team. How cool would that be? So, yeah, so uh, the uh, post is on the uh, forums on, uh, with uh, under Greg West in the in the uh, help wanted type section. And uh, if you have the uh, skills and experience that they're looking for, maybe you could uh, be a staff member of uh, iRacing. Wouldn't that be awesome? This is like a dream job. I mean, you get paid to race, basically. It'll be interesting to ask Tanner, though, because he just recently got hired. Um, when it becomes your job, how much of a hobby is it still? I mean, you know, it's interesting. But I've got, you know, love it, but at the same time, he probably can't ever really be a contender in the Coke series anymore. Well, it's like mechanics don't like to work on cars, things like that. Like when you start doing something, it might not become fun. I, I, it would be interesting to find out if it is still fun if you keep doing all that stuff as a, as a job. I mean, the other thing I noticed is it doesn't say specifically that you need to be in Boston uh, where they're, they're located. So it looks like they're open to working remotely. I think Mike should be hired for the UI tester. You know, I used to have a job where I did software development and I did a lot of testing, uh, what we call monkey testing. Yeah, I'm actually pretty good at it. But, uh, yeah, this job would be fun. I, I mean, uh, you, you're really focused on the AI, but, you know, it says here your job duties, assist in development of the content, uh, support senior production, production assistant to, in the improvement and development of AI, assist in line building and revisions for all forms of AI, drive AI correlation tests with focus on speed and consistency, and so on. So... Greg, you remember that time we got intentionally wrecked at the Daytona 24? Always. This one is even um, more egregious than that one. Dave Cam, he he comes in and says hi to me every once in a while on the stream. Uh, he posted a YouTube video of a serious MX-5 road rage. Um, and the guy almost had some reason to be road rage because he did get hit by the same guy a few times, but... He literally shortcut the course so that he could get back in front of the guy and then clearly took him out twice. Now, Dave Cam does a good job on this video of not showing any names, not showing any paint jobs, not showing anyone in particular because that's against the sporting code. But he uses that as a good example of, hey, this is uncalled for in this service. If you guys see something like this, this needs to be protested. And so he's basically training his team or his people that watch. He's got 34,000 subscribers. Um, hey, you know, if you see this, this is what you should do. You need to, you know, report it. Now, I think even iRacing um, republished his this video on their channel as well. Yeah, and you, uh, like he says, you do not have to be involved in the incident to report it. Yeah, that's why the replay replays everything. Like you can go back and see what happens in a lot of these things. 
Well, Dave does a good job showing the replays from different angles where you can really see how egregious uh, the event is. He's always done good, good content. Uh, it's it's really good to have Dave uh, show these things out here because uh, it's always fun to listen to him. That guy probably won't be collecting any trophies for a while. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, Annie from uh, Snail Racing um, sent a, a post on her Twitter, a link to the virtual trophy cabinet. Um, just yeah, we've her- talked about this a couple times in the last two months, right? Yeah, I went and checked mine out a couple weeks ago too, and it's crazy what I've actually accomplished this year, which I didn't think I've accomplished. But um, man, she's got uh, she's racked up a, a decent page here for 2020, and um, she's been going what a year now, David? Probably about a year. Um, I don't remember exactly, but close. But yeah, she's got she's got a win. She's got a lot of third and second places here. Um, fastest laps. It's really it's. I love. I like going back to this page and and seeing all the stuff that uh, um, I've done as myself. But it's nice to see when she, you know she's getting some gratification by uh, showing this and actually you know seeing the fruits of her labor. I think we're going to have to give Will a hard time as well. You'll notice he replies, oh, telling us to check it host, out. Will Gibson. Yeah, he replies telling us to check it out, which means he hadn't listened to the last couple of weeks. Ouch. No, busted, we have busted Will. I think I remember saying that um, I think iRacing needs to build this into the UI, something like this. Um, when you go look at stats, why can't it be pretty like this? And, you know, something that's very presentable and easy to see and and uh, nice to look at. You know, it'd be cool if they had like an actual cabinet where it would every track would have your best finished trophy or something on it. And you could keep, it's something to strive. Okay. If this cabinet's empty, cause it doesn't have a top three or something in it, something to strive for, for that track or something like that, or series of things like that. Or some kind of virtual trophy room. Yeah. I just think it'd be cool to, you know, could you imagine, okay, for the whole NIS series, it has all the tracks for the, the thing. And you can go through your season. It only shows, put the trophy in if you're first, second, or third. So it would be empty unless you got a good finish. And then it would be like something that's like you could go over the week before you start racing and go, oh, I haven't raced really good here before. Maybe let's see if I can get something in that cabinet. It's kind of like a, a goal to set for yourself. Okay. Well, we're going to keep moving. Uh, earlier today, we got season four patch for release notes. Uh, it wasn't a very big patch. It downloaded pretty quick. Um, looks like they added track maps into the UI. Uh, they added AI racing for the Xfinity uh, car now, the B car. Uh, they have AI at Rockingham Oval as well. Did they say what tracks they've added for the Xfinity, or are they doing the tracks that the Cup cars are already ex- on? They don't specify. I would assume it's the ones they've already done before. Uh, some X-Audio uh, support has been added for low-frequency effects, engine sounds. This enables engine sounds in true force when using X-Audio. Now, I did the re- the update. I ran the NIS race earlier, and in the race, my sound was completely different than it was Wednesday night. And this must be it. Because my LFE, my big subwoofer behind the seat, was like way lower volume than it used to be on Wednesday night. So I haven't had time to 
dissect and try to figure out, you know, what it is, but this must be it. Uh, what else they did? Uh, they made some changes to some of the cars. Uh, BOP on the Audi R8. It took some strength. The BMW draft. M8. They took some draft strength away from the trucks, the trucks uh, for uh, non-super speedways. So it's not as you don't get as big as a draft in the trucks. Yes, I heard of. Uh, I saw a thread about this. I didn't put it in the script, but uh, there was a lot of complaining about the trucks and the draft. And these guys actually made some changes to, uh, because of that thread. I think. Well, and looks like they're showing again some gte they're showing balance of power adjustments but just aerodynamic they didn't give anything else than just that it's saying aerodynamic downforce was increased on the gte ford or ferrari and the ford gte um so i don't know i guess they're st they're just not going with uh that whole thing where they said they weren't going to talk about balance of power stuff Looks like they made some changes to the camera at Homestead. I wonder if that's for the Coke finale. Must be. Okay, so who, go ahead. I'm sorry, Greg. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, how about that merch, Brian? Yeah, I was just going to say, how hey, you guys uh, like to get some new merch? Well, you can check out the new merchandise at uh, simracingshirts.com. Um, they have a whole bunch of stuff there, and they have a whole section with uh, with just for the Bernard Pollard, uh, Blackdale Jr. Uh, stuff that uh, that's been pretty popular. I like the Dirty Monkey Motorsports team shirt. I think uh, John Fowler uh, is with Dirty Monkey Motorsports, and he's got uh, some team shirt there. That's pretty cool too. Yeah, and they do uh, COVID masks as well that uh, that have uh, different emblems on them. That's Bernard Pollard's signature. And so they have streamer shirts. They have like six or seven streamers that you can buy uh, one of their shirts. They have the Bernard Pollard shirts, and then they have team shirts. There's a couple teams, and then they have the Sim 500 shirts. I think it's kind of cool that they're doing the stuff for uh, Bernard Pollard. He, <laughs> he's such an interesting guy to, uh, to, you know, he's so pumped about the sport of NASCAR uh, and, and not being in, into it until now and trying to learn from it, it he's been kind of uh you know it, it's good to see someone so passionate like he is so far well i was telling tony uh if there's a certain team or podcast that's looking for some merch to be created maybe this uh, company can help us out all right check that out it's uh simracingshirts.com let's get into podcast housekeeping notes uh don't forget that we're on the performance motorsports network you can reach us at iRacersLounge at gmail.com. And with that, uh, we're going to go right into hardware software. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. We'll kick it off with the SimCube Revision 2. And as I looked over this information, I was, I was almost a little perplexed because you, you read the fact... And it asks, is this thing different between the R2 and the R1? And the answer is no. Is this thing different? The answer is no. Uh, what about this? No. Um, so it looks like the biggest change is in the power supply. So the power supply is a single power supply now. And they have improved the cable length um, as well. And as far as I can tell, that that's pretty much the gist of it. 
Okay, so keep that in mind. If you're buying a semi-cube, there's two different versions now, the old one and the new one. So uh, next up, guys, we have the Micro Center Racing Sim Builder. Now, this is uh, sent in by Will Gibson, one of the uh, one of our old guests. Um, and uh, but basically, it looks like you go on their website and uh, you kind of customize what um, what your setup's going to be. Uh, there's tabs for your uh, for your wheel stand, uh, your steering steering system, and everything else. Everything like wheel. Pedals, handbrakes, monitors, monitor stand, butt kicker, keyboard, mice, headset, and gaming chair, and so forth. And so, microcenter.com has a one-stop shop uh, situation here. Yeah, exactly. It's it's really interesting. Uh, you can just completely build it from, from one section to the next. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, their styles are, are pretty similar as far as their racing rigs go. Um, a lot of play seats, next level stuff. Um, so uh, that's where you get that stuff uh, added to your system. Um, I know the wheels are a, lo a lot of the Thrustmaster Logitech wheels that are, are on their website. So yeah, so uh, it's one way to get, get yourself set up. I don't think this is how I would do it, but uh, it's nice to see that, uh, you know, somewhere like Micro Center is, you know, has a, a page for sim racing, you know, for their customers that are looking to buy this gear and they can put it together a package, you know, of stuff they want. So I guess uh, we have a thread here. I guess we were talking about cores and stuff last week about uh, the new CPUs, um, but iRacing uh, has never been a single core uh, or has never been single threaded. Um, so uh, was it Constance, Constantine uh, Malslev? Sorry if I got your name there wrong, Constantine. Um, <laughs> posted some uh, a diagram of some of the cores being used, um, I guess, on his system while in iRacing. And um, David Tucker kind of got in on the action here on the forums, and he goes, iRacing has never been a single has never been single threaded. We have always had two primary threads and a series of help, helper threads. Uh, we have a lot more threads now than we did even five years ago, but still two principal threads that truly matter when it comes to uh, game performance. With X audio and particles, we are probably able to keep four cores reasonably busy at all times. And when two, and new cars pop in another session, the core count uh, can go up dra dramatically. Um, so it was kind of interesting to see that we've all think thinking it's a single core uh, process sim but uh it is actually doing more than what it, uh, we've all believed it's been doing over the years yeah yeah there's a difference between cores and threads but as he states there's really two threads but they can have more if in certain situations but they can use basically up to four cores not just one um, as far as cores go so if you're looking at buying a processor you know, David's basically saying you need at least a four core, you know. And they did recently say in, in one of their patches that they're mo they've moved most of the damage model to its own thread. Am I, am I, and that might be I what he's alluding to. Of, there's yep. been a lot of changes over the last five years. So it might become more demanding as it gets further down the road too, right? Depending on what they need to do. Yeah. And the reason we brought this up is we were talking, when we talk about the comparisons between the AMDs and the, Intel's we've always talked about the fact that the Intel's have a faster 
core clock speed. Yeah, and Scott Veltz, uh, that's in this thread as well, he posts after David here. He had actually personally messaged me um, after our discussion last week, giving me a little bit of background into two, both of AMD and uh, Intel's with with the way I was trying to explain it, and he was explaining nowadays how they were working. So I appreciate uh, the personal message there, Scott, and uh, you know, setting me some, setting me not setting me straight, but letting me know on uh, the theories behind it, a lot of it, because I don't know a lot of the stuff about the CPUs. I was just going off of what I remember things used to be said as. Okay, we're going to do one more quick one. It says, boost your Wi-Fi speed. Uh, Greg, you sent this one in. I have no idea why. Um, I think it's just like a Wi-Fi extender, right? I don't even know completely. I was trying to see if this was even something that was plausible um, to even use. It's kind of like it's it's a booster through your signal um, plugging into I think it's more just of a, a, a boost um or what you're saying there mike like an extender to try and make your wi-fi a different but i mean a lot of people are hardwired so i don't know what he's um, racing on wi-fi right yeah i mean wi-fi is if you can't get the wires to wherever you are obviously but um i've always just even even if i have to if i haven't run a cable to the room i'm in i'll run it through the whole house on the ground until i can do it for iRacing. racing i was just i don't think i trust i uh, wi-fi but i think this was just a uh a Wi-Fi booster, uh, glorified Wi-Fi booster, I guess. Yeah, it claims to virtually eliminate lag and disconnects, which uh, they're trying to target gamers. I think it's junk, uh, but anyway. Well, the only thing that will cause lag and disconnects is a, p- a weak signal, you know? if you, uh, if you, As long as you got a strong signal, you should be fine. Uh, the, the one thing about Wi-Fi is it's more susceptible to interference than a hardwire. Right. So if somebody suddenly has a strong radio signal pop out of their, say, your departments and somebody suddenly has something produce a strong radio signal, uh, like a microwave blowing up or something that could cause you to disconnect. We used to they used to say baby monitors and things like that would do it, too. Was was it not? I think if I remember correctly, um, I used to have Wi-Fi problems. And when we had the baby Part monitor the stuff going, yeah, things that are on the megahertz stuff. Right. Well, any anything frequencies. You start dealing with that, and different devices are allowed to interfere up to a certain point, right? That's all regulated by the FCC and whatever the Canadian equivalent is. Okay, we're going to jump into results. Results are sponsored by the Ucora 2020 Throwback Indie Series. It was a new track record around Daytona Road Course by Brian Beard as he claimed the iRacers Lounge Pole Award the last round. Congratulations, Brian. Let's talk NIS. Let's finish up uh, Kansas. Friday open. Wow, I had a good run. P8. Um, strategy went wrong, but I caught a caution finally, and I was able to recover. Uh, Jonathan Dickert won that race again. He won the Wednesday and the Friday race, so congratulations to him. David, you said wrecked out twice. Yeah, it was just uh, one of those they wreck in front of me, and I couldn't dodge it both times. Actually, the second the second one, uh, we came up. It was a it was a short run at the end. Uh, we come up on a car who gets just a little loose, and I actually thought that the car on the inside had crowded me, but then the car on the outside went ahead and took credit for the wreck because when, when we once we went back and looked at the replay, he bounced off the wall and and came down and knocked me into the other car that took that that was also 
there, you know, and you're going to race three wide at Kansas on the last lap. So, although frustrating, that's the time to race that hard. So, you know, you know it happens. Okay. And then Tony Rochette, I'll take a P9 after people wouldn't get out of my line. LOL. Set ran better when I realized my steering ratio was still at 12 to 1 and not his favorite 10 to 1. Sunday open, Tom Dryling got a P13. He said, after being ARCA braked on lap 10, I decided to stay and see what I could gain back. Lots of carnage near the end. I'll take the finish. Tony Rochette, P11. Just suck this week here, and let, unlike the spring where I dominated. And I don't, I don't know why my result didn't get put in here, so I'll come back to it. I, I don't remember what I did. Okay. Well, we're going to move on to Texas. That's where we're at now this week. Uh, wins the open. David, you got the P23. Uh, yeah, the, I was horribly uncompetitive early. The the set we ended up running with just did not have enough downforce. And even though we had it balanced, it was just wearing the tires out more than anybody else. I did find, I, once I kind of figured that out, I made a ride height adjustment towards the end that made me competitive. But then, uh, again, just got caught up in a wreck where I couldn't dodge somebody. And it was way down on power at that point. You were way down on power, yeah. Yeah, it was 1,700 we RPM. We now have another set for that, though. So to counteract what our problem was. Yep. Uh, and then I ran. I got a P12. Not too bad. I felt pretty slow on the first run, uh, but didn't take tires until about lap 60, uh, therefore saving a set for the end. Um, I was pretty fast after that, but got caught up in two wrecks. I was slow, and so I just hang on for a finish at the end there. Um, because of the wrecks, I didn't really get a good handle on if I liked the set or not. Uh, and then today, Thursday, I ran and I got P10. And I did run the updated set that Greg had just spoke about, and it was much better, I thought. Um, and I had, and it was competitive, um, for sure. I was leading, actually, with 30 to go. I had a little bit older tires and with one set left. I was playing the same strategy from Wednesday. Uh, trying to save a set for that final caution, you know, should it come out. But in this race, it did not. Uh, that was the last restart. Um, <clears throat> you know, if I had gotten a caution with like 15 or 10 to go or even two to go, I think I would have had something for him for sure. Now, I wasn't the only one that had a set of tires in the bank. Uh, there were probably about, I don't know, five or six of us running that same strategy. Uh, but all five or six of us pretty much got hosed because it went green that entire run. The set was good though. Uh, Tom Dryling was going to run with me and he made that dreaded mistake where he forgot to register. <laughs> it was top of the hour and he went up to go hit, you know, join race and he forgot to, you know, register. So he ended up ghosting uh, my race, and, at least for the first run so he could see how the tire fall off was and whatnot. And uh, that was the first time that Tom actually ghosted a race like that. He said it was pretty valuable because uh, you could still feel the draft. Uh, he, he could get a feel of the set and uh, he could feel, you know, what the tire fall off was, you know, when did it start falling off and that kind of thing. I did find my results on, on the Sunday open and it was P21. I think I was just mediocre speed that particular race. Okay, and that's it for results. So let's get into final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. 
Hi guys, so uh, right now I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm not able to race, I'm still tearing apart my system, started building it back up this week, um, so uh, still got a lot of work to do, still waiting on my headset, which is supposed to come next month, so uh, yeah, so right now I'm just uh, withdrawing from my racing and it's, it sucks, I really can't wait to get back into this into the sim. Well, you're going to have a nice setup when you get it all up and running, so take your time, no hurry. Well, and he's, you're going to have uh, a whole off-season to get it fine-tuned, too, because by the time you get back, it'll be the off-season almost, right? Yeah, I, th I don't think I'm going to catch any more NIS by the time I'm up and running. I, I'd be surprised, but maybe. I don't know. Well, at least you still have the OBRL in the wintertime, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely be hitting the uh, the next season of uh, OBRL. They're a little more than halfway through their season. So uh, it'll start up at the same time as uh, Season 1 starts for iRacing. Yeah, we got another team member who's uh, moving, and so he isn't able to race right now because he doesn't have a rig set up. So he's jonesing too. All right, David Hall, final thoughts. I'm um, going to talk a little bit of Pacific Majors this this week. Uh, we got one race left. We're going to Indianapolis, Cali. We had we finally finished our road course, and even though I felt like I raced horrible, I somehow gained two positions, and I'm currently 11th in the Americas Pro, which is a tough division. So. Um, it's been a, it's an interesting, humbling experience, but at the same time, I, I try to pat myself on the back and not feel frustrated uh, that I'm still up there, you know, with the big boys. Uh, I know we've talked Greg into joining it. That's going to be interesting uh, if we can get him running next season. Uh, one of the things that's coming up pretty soon is they have a little winter series of their own that runs a lot of endurance races, and you have to have a amateur-rated driver and a pro rated driver and once you've been running once you've run a season they use their your in league stats to to tell you whether you're amateur or pro and i'm well into the what they call the gold classification so i, I gotta pat myself on the back one on that one uh hopefully greg qualifies as an amateur otherwise we don't have anybody on the team that qualifies as an amateur to run this winter series because it has to be a pro and an amateur uh, but looking forward to that. Also, I am qualified. It looks like I don't know if I have it mathematically clinched or not, but there's about it, there's 16 drivers underneath me till to the bubble to make the playoffs in the in the playoffs are across all three time zones. So I have made the playoffs in the majors. All right. Well done. All right. Greg Hector's final thoughts. Uh, if you didn't listen there obviously these uh there hasn't been any results for me this week or the end of last week i'm still in the process of getting my pc back up and fully running uh the way i want it i'm taking my time i'm not uh not rushing this i just want to make sure i have everything set up to uh, compete i'm hopefully i'll have it all ready to go tomorrow night and run um run a texas race this week um i don't think i'll have my stream up ready to go i got to rebuild the whole thing too because obviously redoing everything i have all the assets and everything that I do it but i gotta set up obrl and redo it all again um the way i want to um but eventually we'll get it back going and uh, i can get back on the track i just like i said i'm taking my time and not rushing it here because i did find some problems when uh when i was redoing everything so hopefully that some of those problems i've sorted out will uh sort out the issues i was having recently okay well Get that start at Texas. You need the points. 
so my final thoughts, uh, I'm looking at the points. Division two, NIS Open. Uh, David, you're running seventh. I'm running 15th. Tom Dryling, 23rd. And Greg, 25th. Last one on the page. Yeah, everybody's drop weeks have started to really become a factor. I, it must have hurt me. I really lost some spots when the drop weeks kicked in. It brought Same. me back in. It brought me back in because I have I've had a good late late spring to the, to this point. I've had a great time, and I had a start of the year I wasn't so good. So I'm, was it six drop weeks? So drop off that were bad finishes. Yep. And my I rating is really taking a dive. That's my final thought. Um, I'm like at twenty four forty two right now. Man, I used to be at my high was thirty five hundred, and I'm usually above three thousand at least for the last two three years. And to be at twenty four forty two, I'm a little bit embarrassed. But I realize it's not just the NIS that's put me at that number. It's the Sprint car. It's the eighty seven Legends car that's put me there. And you know what? I'm not gonna not race to protect I-rating like a lot of people do. I'm gonna run what I wanna run and I don't, and let I-rating go wherever it goes. I don't even care. And so um, I'm not really, you know, fighting in the points as much this year, um, you know, running 15th. So I'm not too worried about it. I'm just enjoying myself. I'm running what races I wanna run and, and that's the way it should be. Start you up an alt account? Nah, I'll save my money. I'm not worried about it. Maybe if I was doing good in points, that might be a consideration, but uh, when when I'm in uh, at twenty four forty two, I'm not in the high enough split to even make championship points to get you know to where I need to be you know to make the top ten or whatever. So a little disappointed with that, but uh, we'll we'll rebound and with that we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.